gospel reading for this morning is from John's gospel, beginning in the 16th chapter, the 12th verse. John wrote these things, Jesus speaking. I still have many things to tell you, but you can't handle them now. But when the friend comes, the spirit of truth, he will take you by the hand and guide you into all the truth there is. He won't draw attention to himself, but will make sense out of what is about to happen and indeed out of all that I have done and said. He will honor me. He will take from me and deliver it to you. Everything the Father has is also mine. And that is why I've said he takes from me and delivers to you. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Oh God, we're offered choices as we journey through life. We can choose instruction or remain in ignorance. We can pursue light or remain in darkness. We can be enriched with wisdom or be impoverished with pride. We can listen and learn or speak and be unknowing. As your people, we've committed to be followers of your way and to walk in the paths of righteousness, so equip us for the journey, enable us when we tire, empower us when we are weak. Open our ears, our minds, our hearts to your word for us this day. Amen. In her book, Pilgrim at Tinker Creek, Annie Dillard describes a time when she was in the field walking and rounded the corner of a barn just in time to see a mockingbird dive toward the ground. She describes it as a breathtaking experience to watch the bird step out on the air, fold its wings, and plummet to the earth at 32 feet per second, accelerating as it fell. And just before the moment of impact, the bird opened its wings and stepped out on the grass as though it were getting off an elevator. Annie Dillard wonders about the old philosophical question about the tree that falls in the forest with no one to hear. What if she had not rounded that corner at that precise moment? Would there have been beauty and grace if there had been no one to witness? And she concluded that there would have been, but then she adds, the least we can do is to try to be there. Now, did you know this morning that a glass of hippopotamus milk contains 80 calories? Or that only 5% of people are able to dream in color? If you're one of those, congratulations. Facts are intriguing, but just as quickly, they're easily forgotten. Many of us would have to admit, I think, that any quest for knowledge as a thing in itself could really result in a dull date. Knowledge must eventually ripen into truth. Okay, but the age-old question, what is truth? 
This is a quote. The truth is a snare. You cannot have it without being caught. You cannot have the truth in such a way as to catch it, but only in such a way as it catches you. Now that, bless you. <laughs> that definition was written by Soren Kierkegaard over 200 years ago now. And I believe that it still holds water, especially in light of the fact that the Greek word for truth is aletheia, which literally means unhidden or unforgotten. Now during his lifetime, Jesus had been physically present with the disciples to guide them day to day. If you had a question, you could just have a little talk with Jesus. But Jesus had gone on to be in the full presence of God roughly around 33 of the Common Era, and John was writing roughly around 90 of the Common Era. So Jesus had been gone for almost 60 years. Now when Jesus was gone, where did John's church turn for help? And now that Jesus has been gone for 2,000 plus years, where do we turn for help? Well, I think the question was probably a bit more urgent for John because his church was troubled, you see. By the time John wrote, the church had come to blows with the synagogue. Prior to that time, the church had existed as a subgroup in the synagogue, kind of like our adult Sunday school classes live at, within the full life of our own congregation as like a subgroup. They believed in Jesus while they continued to live as faithful Jewish people. The church was a subset of a larger group, but now the church and the synagogue had separated. What should the John Church Christians think? What should they believe? What should they do? Jesus lived in the flesh as a Jew. What would he advise in these new circumstances when the church was separating itself from Judaism? To make it worse, this I know it's hard to believe, but within the church itself, some Christians were ragging on other Christians. Bitterness, tension, animosity, much like the church fights, we sometimes have. But how should Christians relate to one another within the church when Jesus hadn't left any instructions for dealing with congregations in conflict? Well, I think our reading for this morning zeroes in on such questions. I still have many things to tell you, but you can't handle them now. But when the friend comes, the spirit of truth, he will take you by the hand and guide you into all the truth there is. You see, Jesus wasn't finished teaching the church when he went to be in the full presence of God. He didn't say it all because the church wasn't ready for it. But please let us affirm today that revelation did not end when Jesus went to be with God. Revelation still has not ended. I believe that Jesus always has more to say to the church with which the church in the past was not ready to hear. But new circumstances become the new Q-tips that clean our ears and prepare us to receive fresh truth. There is yet more light to break forth. 
God continues to speak through the Holy Spirit to enlarge our understanding of God, of Jesus, of the world, and of the church. But we must still interpret which fresh understandings we believe to come from God and which we do not. I think we must reason the very best we can and come to the best conclusion that we can and then really do two things. First, we must stand on our own two feet and take responsibility for our own interpretations. And second, we must offer our interpretations in humility, recognizing that we are fallible. We need to remember that new data or fresh perspectives may cause us to think again. In other words, we must have the courage to be confident and the honesty to be humble. You know, through the life of Jesus, God gave us the example for living. I think Jesus was the unbroken mirror of God's compassion and care. John, the same author, wrote, In him was life, and the life was the light of all people. He brings us alive. And true religion not only earns its salt by getting our teeth into God, but by sinking some of our molars also into ourselves. You know, everyone, I think, expected Jesus to be a man about God. But I also think that few ever anticipated him being a man about man. And ultimately, I think that's what got him in trouble. Because for many, Religion is acceptable as long as we concentrate all of our energies on God worship. But when the spotlight swings around to personal growth, things get pretty doggone uncomfortable. God's truth is not always perfumed and sweet tasting. Sometimes it hurts and it exposes us. So I think that Jesus still has many things to say to us. And I wish that we could always understand those messages with the same clarity that I can read most of the emails that I get. The truth is, sometimes my glasses are so smudged up that I can hardly see just to walk down the hall, much less read an email. Not to worry, though. God's love for me and the world transcends my interpretation of any email. But we can count on God to keep working with us to help us receive as much of a message as we can bear. And this morning, I know this for sure. God will never give up on us and that God will always continue to guide us toward a larger truth. And thanks be to God for all of it. Amen.